Happy New Year, everybody. Just wanted to welcome you to this latest edition of the Find Your Fit podcast brought to you by FCF Fit. My name is Corey, and this edition will feature a longtime coach and friend of ours, Caleb Ward, who was with FCF for many years, very accomplished weightlifter, and he brought a lot of experience and, and uh, good training to uh, to our clients at FCF for many years. So wanted to uh, intro this particular podcast. It's a good one. Um, Word to the wise, it is New Year's Eve, so if you're going to be out driving, please be careful. Uh, obviously, no drinking and driving, and in my case, no drinking and editing podcasts. It didn't work out too well. Unfortunately, I ended up deleting uh, some segments of this podcast, so uh, just another excuse to get Caleb back in here and expand upon some of those funny weightlifting stories about him and his time. And further ado, here's the podcast. Again, Happy New Year, and we'll see you all in the gym soon. Cal strength, rather, and uh, all right. So, welcome to the FCF Fit Podcast. This is Corey, and I've got a super special guest and a uh, longtime friend of mine. You all know him. Well, most of you know him. Some of you don't, uh, but uh, you will after this podcast. Caleb Ward. Caleb, what's going on, man? How's it going? Thank you for having me. Very glad to have you. I know we tried to get you on here sooner. You had a little bit of a illness pop up. I uh, hope the itch isn't too too bad anymore. <laughs> it's all cleared up. It's all cleared up. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal. Man, they, they make those things stronger these days, don't they? The antibiotics are oh, great. Oh, shell. Well, I mean, you throw a little Moscow mule on something and uh, you're good to go. Dude, that's right? my life motto. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you that don't know, Caleb and I, we met back in 12. And so we, um, I'll give you the little background on how Caleb and I met. So we're, you know, obviously the gym was open and this whole Olympic lifting thing, I wanted to be better at it. I obviously wanted to be able to coach it better. And, you know, watching videos on YouTube was one thing, but having somebody that knows what the hell they're doing, uh, get eyes on you, um, definitely was something that we didn't have the luxury of at the time. So we hosted a, uh, 21 day, uh, sugar detox with Dutch. Dutch was there. Diane Sanfilippo. That's it. Yeah. So she was very hot uh, on the scene at the time with the 21 day sugar detox. And so somehow we got lucky enough to have her come out. She was on our tour in the beginning and um, did the seminar on site at FCF. That particular day, there was a gentleman by the name of Dutch Lowey uh, in attendance. And I had seen Dutch um, a couple times on YouTube. He was actually at the first CrossFit Games. If you guys have seen Every Second Counts on yep. Netflix, Dutch is actually featured as one of the athletes there. And so I knew of him there. and. Um, so he and I started up a conversation and we just started talking about uh, CrossFit, obviously, in general. And I'd mentioned to him, yeah, man, the, the Olympic lifts still evade me. Uh, I really wish I could get somebody that knew what the hell they were doing, you know, that could, that could coach us. He's like, well, you know, one of the best Olympic lifters is living in your backyard and he's looking for a coaching job. And I said, who the hell is this? He said, <laughs> have you ever heard of Caleb Ward? And I said, no, I haven't. And again, I you know I I wasn't in the Olympic lifting world. I'm also not of, famous, so well, 
<laughs> there are a lot of people. It's not that, like everyone that would probably me. beg to differ differ with that. That uh, at least at the time. So, um, so I was like, yeah, man, give me his information, and I mean, I, you know, I'd love. And, and he even mentioned he would make the introduction because I think he knew you, or or at least he he had a relationship with you more more than I did at the time. Well, I had, I had just been at his gym the week before. Oh, really? Yeah, he told me he was going to this seminar and he was going to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me know. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. I knew he was going to talk to you. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Dutch, if you're listening to this, you totally set me up. But I'm very glad you did because I had no idea that that's how that went down. Yeah. Because he completely acted oblivious to the fact that that was the case. I asked for help. Cool. Well, it worked out. It did. At least, I mean, in my, I thanked in him. my mind. I did thank out. him. So long story short, I... You know, Dutch told me he would make the introduction. I got on the Facebook, searched Caleb Ward, found who I thought was you, and <laughs> sent you a private message because we weren't friends on Facebook. And it turned out you were the right, it was the right one. And then you were working at California Pizza Kitchen, right? Yep. At the time. Yep. So we coordinated a meeting uh, where you came out to the gym. I came to the gym. And you sat down with my current business partner at the time, uh, and we had a conversation. Um, and then that was pretty much it. It was kind of like an impromptu interview, if you will. Yep. Right? Do you remember any details about that? It was before – it was when the gym was in that – just the first space of being on the, the tollway. And y'all's office was this little tiny corner that was dark. There was no lights. <laughs> and there was the um, – there was the plexiglass kids area behind us, and I just sat in this chair, and you and Kale sat on the other side, and we talked, and um, I told you about a funny joke, that I, a prank that I wanted to play on people, and you told me we would coordinate it one day, and then I was on my way. All right. We'll get to that prank. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I remember, you know, you left that day and we, we kind of left it, um, at the fact that, Hey, we, you know, we were going to discuss, Kayla and I would discuss. Yep. And then we'd get back to you. And I was straight to work after that. Yeah. You went, you were, I think you came in with your work, your work gear. Yeah. You had your black pants, black shirt on for the California pizza kitchen uniform. Yeah. Pretty much you, you jetted out of there and, and went, and went to work, which you were working at the Stonebriar mall, right? Yep. Yep. So, uh, Kale and I sat down we had a quick conversation. Honestly, it was like a, a, a two minute conversation, like hell mother Evan. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, you said all the right things, great personality, you know, uh, funny. It just, everything felt right about it. So, um, I went right up to CPK, CPK. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the mall. I sat down. And I asked for Caleb's section. You did. And they, <laughs> you were, you sat on the patio and they were like, Caleb, I know your section's not the patio, but someone's sitting out there that wants to, wants you to wait on them. And I had just moved to Texas and I knew no one. And I'm like, who in the hell wants to sit in my section? <laughs> who, who that? <laughs> New phone number. Yeah. What in the hell is going on? And I'm like, I, I'll go figure this out. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I remember uh, sitting outside at California Pizza Kitchen, and you walked up. 
you know, it was like, I'm sure you're probably like, what the hell? Is, yes. You know, like you just said. Yes. And yes. I mean, I was aware this is probably a little awkward, maybe a little weird. Um, and I back up, back up. I got to the mall. I didn't go straight to CPK. I went perusing the mall for a little bit because I didn't want to look too anxious. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I went, uh, I can't remember what store it was. Was Nordstrom's there at the time? I have no idea. I want to say Nordstrom's was there. And I, I there was a little area, like a, a concierge area that had like a, co- a little coffee spot. And um, I called Kale and I was like, hey, man, I'm here. I don't want to, you know, maybe I should wait a little longer. You know, um, I don't want to look t- like we're too desperate for him. <laughs> and Kale was like, yeah, man, you know, just, just. Stand, just hold tight for a little bit, you know, um, make, make him squirm for it. Like, don't, don't look too, too eager. So anyway, I think I waited like 10 minutes after that. It was, like, it was nothing. <laughs> and that's when I went ahead and went up to, to California Pizza Kitchen and, and asked for your section. So pretty much made you an offer. At right the table. You yeah. did. And I remember saying, you don't have to make a decision now. You were like, uh, I think you kind of were like, oh, I'll wait. Well, it was then. No, what happened was you offered me more than what I was expecting. I think that we were just going to. I I was just trying to teach a weightlifting class, and you were like, "We want you to coach CrossFit seven days a week." <laughs> no, eight, eight days a week. Eight days a week. Eight every a class week. a day. You're going to be a man in Amsterdam. Yeah. And so I was like, whoa, hold up. How am I going to make this? Because I was in school and I was working at California Pizza Kitchen and I just wanted a Saturday job and you offered me a Monday through Saturday job. So I just remember being like overwhelmed, like, whoa, I need to figure because I'm I'm like, I'm a planner, you know, like I don't do things without like making sure all of my ducks are in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I, I, I mainly just felt overwhelmed, but I don't think I answered right on the spot. I think I was like, I'll call you later. That's probably, yeah, that's, I mean, that was a little while ago. So, and it's been I, a minute. I had several, it's same uh, decade, but eight years ago since then yeah. <laughs> with you, uh, by the way, a hundred percent. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. And obviously it, it, it turned out, you know, that you, you accepted, and um, we shared a whole lot of good times. A long time. Since then. And um, yep. I mean, there's some stories that we could, <laughs> we could uh, elaborate on. Maybe maybe that's for another podcast, the, the, the uh, Caleb and Corey uh, <laughs> trilogies or uh, whatever you want to call them. But, um, and some of those probably wouldn't be legal to tell on, on the <laughs> So anyhow. Let's, you know what, let's, let's shift gears. Let's back up. Okay. So you were born and raised in Texas. Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls. Wichita County. Wichita County. (laughs) So obviously, okay. For those of you listening that do not know Caleb, um, if you were to YouTube Caleb Ward um, and weightlifting, you're, you're going to be in for a treat. I mean, this guy is probably one of the most powerful people that I've ever met and most athletic people that I've ever met in, con- in, in consideration of 
you know, the weight he throws around or was throwing around at the time and his ability to move his body through a range of motion and space and control. Unbelievable. Um, Thank you. You'll be blown away at this kid's ability. Kid, I say he's 29. Uh, but at the time, he was a young man. And uh, so do yourself a favor. Check it out. But going back, you started weightlifting at what age? 12. 12 years old. All right. So, yep. so expand upon that, please, if you don't mind. So um, my coach actually recruited my brother when my brother was in high school. Um, and my brother and I are seven years apart. So my brother was maybe like a junior or senior in high school. And he uh, recruited my brother to make him better at football. football at least man. that was the... That was the sales pitch. West Canaan High, baby. <laughs> and taught my brother weightlifting. And I had wanted to be involved in a sport, but I'd never really gotten into something that I was really good at or something that I enjoyed. And I ended up falling into something I was good at and enjoyed when I found weightlifting through my brother. And in fact, it was my best friend that actually convinced me to finally come try weightlifting. Um, it, it wasn't even my brother, you know, but I, I knew about it. I felt kind of comfortable trying it just cause my brother was good. So your best friend was in weightlifting. Yeah. So okay. he was at, uh, he, him and his dad went and tried it at Wichita Falls weightlifting club when that was a thing. Okay. And he came to school the next day and was like, dude, I saw your brother at the gym. And I was like, I was like, you do weightlifting. And he's like, yeah, I just started. And I was like, okay. You know, like. Maybe I should go with you sometime. And next thing you know, um, you jumped in on it. And and my brother quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how long after you started did Joshua? Yeah. How long did he quit after that? Like the same month. What? I'm not kidding. It was the same month. Was was there a rivalry between you two that No, it just kind of was like the timing in our life. So he was in his first semester. Um, going into his second semester of college, okay. Whenever I first tried okay. it out, yeah, and he, you know, he probably got plugged into the uh, frat parties. Oh, he was in a fraternity, <laughs> had a weightlifting frat parties. Yes, yeah. that's 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 where where he went, and which is fine. Um, so he and just, you were twelve at the time. I was twelve, so yeah. he, he's he, nineteen. Yeah. I'm I'm twelve, and it it was a completely you know different time in our lives yeah well my brother and i have a, a seven year age gap too so I, I could see that so you get it yeah for sure so with with your your best friend you know getting into that and kind of like hey man i was there and, and you, you're like hey really okay what had you tried or what had you done before weightlifting that you were just like eh, or if anything um i had done baseball Okay. Pretty much my whole life. I think I started in T-ball and I went all the way through fifth or sixth grade okay. um, doing baseball. I wasn't good at it. Okay. <laughs> I think I started out okay, um, maybe in like T-ball. But as soon as it got to like the person actually pitching the ball, I just didn't have the hand-eye coordination for it, which I'm not a coordinated person <laughs> at all. <laughs> Even though I can lift weight. Such bullshit. It is such bullshit, but I'm not coordinated. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's a fact. No, I mean, <laughs> again, people listening, if you don't know Caleb, uh, those of you who do know Caleb, you also agree with my 
bullshit statement because the snatch is probably harder than nailing a golf swing. And yeah, you make it look easy. So you're not coordinated is a bullshit statement, but you're being, what's the word? Facetious? No. Humble. Humble. Yeah. No, I'm, so. I'm not coordinated. I fall a lot. <laughs> I trip over things that don't exist. So I have seen that happen, but, <laughs> but when your mind is on it, you can make it happen. Okay. We'll go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I wasn't great at baseball. Um, and then I had done like karate type classes and, and that wasn't really something that I was into. Um, and that's about it. Honestly, baseball, my, my dad really wanted me to do baseball. He liked baseball a lot. Um, and then any other sport, like I, I, at one point I remember wanting to play soccer, but, um, Soccer's played on Sundays, and that was not okay at my house. So really, really. wait, wait, wait. That and so in Wichita, in Wichita, in Wichita Falls, <laughs> soccer was played on Sunday. Soccer was a it, it was a sport that you might have to play on Sundays. Oh, okay, so it wasn't solely relegated to Sundays. No, but okay. there was a good chance you were going to play on Sunday. Okay. So um, all right, because I was just curious, because like, is that something? Is that like the the method? To not get soccer to grow. Oh no, soccer was <laughs> on the good. Day it was of the Sabbath, like there's no soccer no. except on Sunday. <laughs> when I, my junior year, our 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 guys' soccer team at my high school won state. Okay. Yeah. So right. it, it it was a good soccer town, but it it just at my house. Yeah, it, it <laughs> was not a wards at the wards house. It's not a game we were gonna play. Yeah. So you went to Ryder High School, right? Ryder High School. Ryder High School. Yeah, we've had, there's a couple, at least one member that we've had at the gym over the years. Brian. Brian Jones. Jonesy. Hey, Jonesy, if you're listening, shout out to you, brother, you and Danae, and the family that's ever growing. That was always the funniest part of working at Frisco CrossFit is it's like 5.30 in the morning, you're barely awake, and someone walks up and they're like, you're from Wichita Falls? (laughs) It's like. Don't identify me right now. <laughs> Too early. Too early. Huh? But yes, I am. And yes. then you got to go through who you know, where you went to high school, what street you grew up on. And, and I feel like that happened too many times. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but Brian Jones is the most memorable. Yeah. The, the, the Statsers are from Wichita Falls. Oh, Lisa, Chris. Yeah, we just ran into Lisa a couple weekends ago. She came by the gym, said hello. Yeah, she, she, I, I know that her and Chris both went to Ryder, or at least Chris went to Ryder. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those towns that it's good to be from. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> Texas, baby. Texas. Wichita. I don't think it gets any more Texas than Wichita Falls. It does. Sorry, Wichita Falls. You know, I'm just messing around <laughs> with you guys. Um, all right. So you got in the way living at 12. You're at the Wichita Athletic Center. Actually, no. Um, we, our, our team name was Wichita Falls Weightlifting, but we trained at MSU, Midwestern State University. Now that's where you met, uh, your coach. Wait, now who was, who was your very first coach? Glenn Pendley. Glenn Pendley. Okay. Now, you know, Glenn, unfortunately, uh, passed away, passed away re- yep. very recently um, due to his battle with cancer, cancer right? So, uh, and I know he was a huge impact in your life and a, and a um, you know, big staple in, in your, 
you know, you coming up as a weightlifter, obviously, but as also a young Person. man, yep. you know? So our condolences to, to you, obviously, and, and, and to uh, Glenn and his family and the legacy that he has left, which is he left a huge footprint in the weightlifting community. Huge. And, uh, you know, that'll hopefully never, uh, ever be forgotten. So thoughts go out to, to, to you and his family and friends. So thank you. Uh, so you, you guys, you, you met up with Glenn. Yep. It was your first exposure to weightlifting. Yep. And at MSU. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We had, uh, we had two practices a day. We had a, I think it was a three thirty to five practice and a seven thirty to nine. And, um, me and my best friend, his mom would pick us up from school and take us to the three thirty practice and we'd work out from three thirty to five. And then my mom would pick us up from practice and take him home. And then, and then we'd go home after that. Um, but we worked out at MSU for, for forever. Um, but we were involved with the Wichita Falls Athletic Club. And so that was our night practice. So I did go there every once in a while. And then once, once, once we kind of broke away from MSU uh, very often, but in the, in the beginning, it was just at the college, which was the coolest thing to a sixth grader, you yeah. know, working out at a, at, at a college. A college yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where did Ripito, Mark Ripito come into play? Where was he located? So he owns the Wichita Falls Athletic Club. Okay. And so that was where our night practices were. Okay. And then at one point in time, Wichita Falls Weightlifting broke away from the college. We weren't necessarily associated with MSU anymore. Um, and so we moved all practices into the Wichita Falls Athletic Club. Okay. Uh, whenever I first started, we had this little tiny room. And then I can't remember... I feel like I feel like the gym flooded one time on act like something happened and the okay. gym flooded. And I I know how that feels. Whenever it flooded, it, it just kind of happened at the same time we were leaving MSU. And it, maybe that's just how the timeline's working out in my head. But then WFA WFW and WFAC kind of turned into this big thing where we had this whole room at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club that had turf and ghds and reverse hypers and that was before anybody knew what a ghd or reverse definitely a reverse hyper no oh, one show we right. had one of the prototype reverse hypers like glenn knew Lemmy louis simmons personally and yeah. like we had a reverse hyper before it was a thing and um you know glenn had this desk with a computer in it and we had all this space and Wichita Falls weightlifting was really booming at the time. Um, it was kind of cool. And, and you and so was this, you were 12 when you started. What, how old are you when this started happening? I wasn't much older, maybe 14. Okay. So a couple of years had transpired. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really cool time because weightlifting wasn't big back then. You know, it's, it's, Today, it's not as big as CrossFit, but CrossFit has grown weightlifting to a size that's nowhere even remotely compared to what it was in the early 2000s, even like, even in like the early 2010s or whatever you call that, yeah. you know, like someone First posted decades the, the, the time you and Kim and Brittany and Chris all came with me to the American Open in 2012, there was one platform. Yeah. One platform. It was on a stage, which wasn't normal, but 
it was one platform. And now when you go to a competition like the American Open, two, three, four platforms at a time running. Yeah. You know? So the sport of weightlifting itself, in and of itself, has become more popular. Now, what do, would you attribute that to CrossFit? 100%. Yeah? CrossFit has grown the sport of weightlifting to the point where weightlifting couldn't – weightlifting couldn't – Weightlifters and weightlifting itself couldn't have been cool or popular or anything without CrossFit or without CrossFit. Wow. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. Um, I mean, those, those are, that's a a strong comment, but I'll be the one to stand up and argue that that it's true. Yeah. You're like, prove me wrong. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Now I would definitely, I will totally agree that I think it's definitely become more mainstream than it was um before because again i didn't really know anything about it other than maybe seeing it on the olympics no one did you know on tv every four years right even then it was shown at 2 30 in the morning <laughs> literally like, 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 like springboard diving or whatever right yeah no yeah. literally yeah. like i remember the athens and even really the beijing olympics which crossfit wasn't big in 2008 so, i mean it was growing at that time but right. it wasn't huge yeah I can remember watching Athens and the Beijing Olympics and you would have to catch it on a random ESPN channel in the middle of the night. It, it was not, it, which I can't even confirm that the London or the 2016 Olympics showed weightlifting in like prime time or even during the daytime, but it's at least increased in numbers from a, an American and a worldwide standpoint. It has. Yeah. Um, uh, from those standpoints, after CrossFit came about and brought more awareness. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's there's so many thoughts going through my head right now, and you know, I'd love to get your, you know, your input on it. And why don't we get too far off base? But I definitely see this could be a uh, a multi pronged podcast if you will about just our you know our our thoughts and and ideas and how the sport of crossfit if you will has evolved at least since we got involved in it and you got involved in it and how now my mindset has kind of started to shift in what we want our clients to build to focus on and and you know i mean taking a brand new client and putting them on a, in a group setting and there's snatches going on. I get a little pucker factor there. I mean, I've always had probably, I mean, for the general fitness enthusiast, the snatch may not be the best movement for them to get more quote unquote fit. So to me, the snatch is a movement that is extremely skillful um, in multiple ways. And it's not necessarily the best movement for just your regular person to do. Um, if you don't have a background of lifting weights and a certain level of mobility and a certain level of um, coaching with the movement, th- there's almost no business doing it. Um, and that's it, it's not because you're not strong enough and it's not because you're not athletic enough, but it's it's just like doing a muscle up. There's no business doing a muscle up 
There's no extra benefit to doing a muscle-up that you can't do with doing other movements. Um, unless you have the right skill set and the movement background to, to, to get the movement going. And, and, and there, there's several movements in CrossFit like that that, yeah. that are just extremely skillful. And you should respect them for that sense and not necessarily worry about having it in your back pocket as one of the movements you can do. You know, right. it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, it's like I've retired the backflip. <laughs> really? <laughs> I have retired the backflip. Hmm. It's, it's no longer something I need to be able to do. You want another drink? I do not. Okay. You sure? I'm right. sure. Okay. We'll just make sure that it is fully <laughs> retired. It is fully retired. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, it, it doesn't need to be done again. Yeah, it's not gonna be on your tombstone. It's not gonna be on my tombstone, and it's it's uh, it's not going to um, make me any money. So I'm not gonna hurt myself. It's like at the end of the day, CrossFit is about being healthy and having a good workout plan and following something that your coach is writing for you that's in your best interest. And if, if you're trying to go above and beyond and you're, you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with, you know, all this stuff that's not helping you move forward in life, what's the point? Yeah. Why are you, why are you paying for this? And why, why are you hurt? You know, you're not a professional athlete, you know, calm down. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, you, you, you touched on a very, very valid point. Um, I think that, um, you know, obviously CrossFit's been around going on 20 years now that it's, you know, I think Glassman posted the first workout, um, either in 2000 or 2001, um, quote unquote open source. Hey, I'm going to throw this workout, these workouts up on the, on the interwebs and let people test them out and provide me feedback on what their times were what their, the weight they lifted, blah, blah, blah. So he started, you know, accumulating this data, data, data. Um, and, you know, I mean, the a 22-year-old kid, and I say kid because I'm 46, but a 22-year-old young adult does not know CrossFit like a 37-plus-year-old knows CrossFit. You know, it's, it's a different, it's a different arena and CrossFit. If you look at CrossFit.com, their shift has completely done. I mean, if you've been watching over the past two decades, a 180, they're very more health oriented. Um, the health, um, shift or health focus shift has been very apparent. I mean, so if you're if you're running a CrossFit gym, quote unquote, and by the way, you know we've we've definitely probably you know a good almost two years now, you know we've gone through a name change. Um, we're still an affiliate, but we are we are known as pretty much FCF. Uh, we wanted to keep that because that was our logo. So I had to try to find some kind of catchy way to keep the logo and not have to you know rebrand that specifically. So we came up with Fitness and Conditioning of Frisco. Um, and it, you know, for all intents and purposes, it worked. Um, could we probably do something better? Yeah, we probably could, but I'm not super creative and I don't have a lot of money to spend in that arena. So that's where we're at now. But 
we haven't had CrossFit in our name for a while now, and we do not promote CrossFit specifically. Obviously, um, there are some negative connotations with the word CrossFit um, that have come out over the years, and, and there's definitely a, a, a cerebral decision that was made to fly two flags or have that back up if we needed it. I've got my soapbox. You know, <clears throat> um, CrossFit's great. It really is. Um, and when I say CrossFit, I am actually referring to the organization CrossFit. That is the company. Like Apple yeah. or Coca-Cola or anything that is a company, that's what I'm referring to. And so, you know, the, the, the cool thing about CrossFit is that they actually are standing up to people like Coca-Cola. I just called them a great company, but you know, that, that was kind of subliminally coming out because I think that it's great that there's companies like CrossFit standing up mm -hmm. and saying, this is the problem. Sugar and, you know, the way that diet is from in, in our youth society, that's the problem. And the way that we are exercising our youth or the lack thereof, that's the problem. And they're standing up and actually making a statement about that. So I think that the, the, the company or the organization of CrossFit is great. However, I don't think CrossFit didn't come up with one single thing that they do. Right. They didn't invent the squat. They didn't invent the squat or the snatch or the clean and jerk or the muscle up or the, you know, or running or box jumps or anything like that. And I think a lot of people associate CrossFit with kind of, a, you know, inventing those movements almost. And it's not the case at all. But what they did is they really popularized combining all of these movements together and the effectiveness of training different types of, you know, stimulus, you know, whether it's, you know, conditioning a longer workout or a shorter workout where you're sprinting and lifting heavy weights at the same time. And, you know, that that's what they've really done. And so kind of coming back to what you're saying about, you know, rebranding as CrossFit or calling yourself fit, fitness yeah. and conditioning yeah. at Frisco. You know, the, the cool thing is, is that, you know, you can really actually call fitness what you're doing. You know, CrossFit mm -hmm. and fitness are really one and the same because their mission and their, you know, what, what, what do you call that mission statement and their, their core values of their company align with just being generally fit, you know, yeah. being healthier. And so you don't necessarily have to associate CrossFit in my opinion, at least with being fit. It's, it, it's literally just something that's been around for years and CrossFit just popularized it for sure. Yeah, no, I will, I will totally jump on that in the sense of, you know, uh, I mean, CrossFit is, is, you know, there's buzzwords in, there's always been buzzwords in any, in any industry that you might be involved in. Right. You know, um, or, you know, like functional fitness or high hit training, high intensity interval training, blah, blah, blah. Whether your definition of fitness is CrossFit, uh, Zumba, Orange Theory, this or that. I mean, if you're, if you're active and you're promoting 
your own physical fitness and well-being, then who's to, who's going to who's going to say you're wrong? Exactly. You know? And the 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 whole thing is is you know people get caught up in these methodologies of oh this bet this method is way better and more effective than that method. Why are you why are you doing Zumba? Why aren't you lifting weights? Well, maybe that person. Maybe that's just their, you know, their beginning phase. Or maybe they right? don't like lifting weights. Maybe they don't, maybe they're scared of lifting weights, right? But that doesn't mean that they won't ever lift weights. Sure. Right? I mean, they could get easily involved or plugged into P90X and do that for six months. But guess what? I mean, maybe they, they're like, they outgrow it. P90X is a great program. You can do it in the, in the comfort of your own home. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's judging you, right? I mean, let's face it. Why do most people not go to a gym? Ego and they're fearful of what people are going to think of them. Absolutely. Ego and fear, right? They have their ego is too big or their ego is too little, which translates to I'm fearful of what I'm going to look like and what people are going to say about me. Yep. And unfortunately, that keeps a lot of people from doing what they need to do, which is just move, get, get plugged in, get into a, you know, a program that you feel comfortable doing. And if there's a community aspect of it, even better, but it has to be the right community, right? It can't be, you can't plug into a competitive community, you know, where they're just like, and they're pushing that person to their limits day one, because that's just their mentality. Right. You know, I mean, that's super, obviously not beneficial to that new person. Well, and you know, the thing that people really need to really try to work on, and and I think that people who have already tried CrossFit or who have at least been open to it, and I say CrossFit, but I just mean fitness in general, just any type of fitness avenue. But the, the thing that the people who haven't tried it and who haven't taken that step to say my ego can take a back seat and I'm going to do what's best for me is that they always think that, you know, you, you see things like CrossFit on TV and it's like, Oh, they climb ropes. I have to be able to climb a rope to go do CrossFit or to go work out, you know, or I have to be able to run a mile without stopping before I go and do something (laughs) or, you know, everybody always sets these limitations or expectations, you know, one or the other self-imposed limitations, self-imposed limitations or expectations that they have to be able to do something. Maybe, maybe you're, you're past running a mile. Maybe it's that whole muscle up thing. Maybe it's like, I have to be able to do a muscle up before I try a competition. You know, maybe you're at that level. Or I have to be able to snatch 135 pounds before I enter into my first weightlifting competition. Bullshit. That's not what has to happen. You know, like you should be far concerned with other things. And yeah, people just set the, I mean, I've got family members who, you know, me, I try to step up at least in my family and be the person that's like, I don't have to start things on Monday. You know, I can start things on a Wednesday. It's whenever I make the decision, I'm going to start eating this way and it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start working out today and it's Saturday. You know, I don't have to wait till Monday. Um, and, I've, you know, I've got this whole, you know, fa- well, 
in my family, I've got this dynamic where people want to wait till Monday or they don't want to try something because they've never done it before. And, you know, I can see it within my own family, but I can see it within the whole world is that people are just that way. They don't want to start something. They don't want to do something because of these expectations or limitations. Yeah. And they're self-set. That's 100% you and your brain telling you that you can't or that you shouldn't. And that's not the way it should be. Right. I mean, you are in control. (laughs) I mean, you as in us as a human being, everyone, we can, we can say, Hey, I don't have to wait till Monday. If I'm, you know, if I'm picking up on what you're putting down, I don't have to wait till Monday to start eating. Right. No, it's, it's Thursday. Yeah. I can start doing that right now. Today's the day. You know what? Uh, I haven't worked out in six months or six years. I don't have to wait till Monday. It's Tuesday. F it. I'm going to do it right now. Yep. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to call my buddy and you know, I'm going to, whatever. I mean, I'm going to class. Let's go. Yes. Yes, absolutely. No, I think that's, you know, the whole thing, you know, why put off until tomorrow that can be done today. I mean, it's such a cliche statement, right? But I mean, but it's true. It's so true. I mean, people put things off till Monday because it's ideal, you know, like it's a new start. It's like the same reason why people make new year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. It's a new start. It's a new year. I'm going to do this this year. Monday's a new week, every single week. And they have this fake idea that, you know, if they wait till Monday, that it's going to be motivated and they're, that they're, that they're motivated and they're going to be able to keep it going and be able to keep the their, their goals going. And it's like, no, if you're going to make a change, you have to be ready to make it right now, regardless of what day it is, regardless of what other people are going to impose on you from a limitation or expectation standpoint, regardless of what you're going to put on yourself as a limitation or expectation and just get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we, we all, I mean, I've definitely been, you know, uh, guilty of self-imposed limitations. Who hasn't, um, you know, and, and we, well, I think we all probably have our, our bouts with that. So let's, let's move forward. You were, you were weightlifting, weightlifting. 12, 14 comes along. You got shipped from MSU. You're at the athletic center in Wichita falls. You get, um, you're with Glenn. Um, now you guys are exposed to rip a toe. You know, what, what, what happens from that point on? I mean, like when you start getting some success pretty early on in your Olympic, I was going to say what happens next is a lot of gold medals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we want to talk about, you know, again, I don't want to just over, over, you know, um, I don't want to talk myself up too much, but weightlifting wasn't that big back back then. And yeah. so I won a lot of meets and I won a lot of competitions and I won a lot of accolades and I was very good. And um, weightlifting back in those days was just me doing a lot of awesome. Yeah. Um, which was fun. I mean, that's what kept me in the sport. That's what kept my passion going is that I was good at it. I qualified for, you know, events that were that, you know, there, there were people on my weightlifting team that were, you know, 
10 years older than me couldn't qualify for and I would qualify for it, you know? Yeah. And was there any like friction there? No, you know, I think there was, at least to my face. And again, I was supportive to your face, at least to my face, at least to my face. Yes. Because I was a lot younger than all of these guys. And, um, Glenn was very, protective, supportive. I mean, just all of, all all of the positive words, Mm -hmm. you know, Glenn, Glenn was on my team. He was my coach. And so he had my back. And so I don't think if there was anyone out there that, you know, kind of was, I don't want to say jealous, but if there was anybody out there hating, I've never known about it. And, but I'm not a bad person either. So, (laughs) But I, I just don't think that there's anyone that would have, you know, that that that, that would have been out there hating, you know. Yeah. It just, it, it was a lot of good times. It was me, I, I won a lot of competitions. I made a lot of teams. I got a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, weightlifting was definitely my thing. Now, obviously, you started to achieve a high level of success before the sport obviously became very popularized. Yep. So that being said, what doors did weightlifting open for you before all, you know, the popularity became, uh, or came, came to, uh, fruition. So the cool thing was that when weightlifting was getting to that point for me, at least CrossFit was also like on that exponential curve, you know, I feel like CrossFit, it definitely hasn't sloped off, but it's definitely the growth curve is like flattening, you know? Yeah. In, in 2019. Yeah. But in 2008, it was like on a, yeah, complete vertical, yeah, complete vertical trajectory. I mean, it, it clearly, it was extremely exponential and no one at that time knew a damn thing about weightlifting. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned earlier yeah. in the show, you hadn't really been exposed to it very much and and you had been a personal trainer and you had done athletics your whole life and still it had never been exposed to you really. And most people were in that boat. I, there was a very few amount of people who had not been exposed to weightlifting, you know? Yeah. Or there was a very few well, amount of people who had been yeah, exposed had, to weightlifting yeah. rather. Um, and so... Glenn, Glenn was very smart. Um, Glenn knew immediately that there was an opportunity there, you know? He was a very intellectual human being. One of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, he he had his flaws, but outside of those, he was extremely smart. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about how, how smart this guy was. I mean, to, to the point that he created... He turned Wichita Falls weightlifting from a weightlifting team into a business. I mean, Wichita Falls weightlifting team was Pendlay Barbell and the Dewin weightlifting shoes and, you know, all of the Pendlay equipment that he had and brand that he had before he sold it to Muscle Driver. And so, I mean, and just anyone listening, we have Pendlay plates in the gym (laughs) to this day. It's 2019. We have penlay plates in the gym. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, he, 
he saw all of these opportunities before they were apparent, you know? And so um, coaching CrossFitters and weightlifting was one of those things, just like creating barbells and bumper plates was one of those things. Coaching CrossFitters was apparent from day one. Um, I can remember coaching CrossFitters, and I say that, you know, I, I call them CrossFitters, but just people who wanted to learn to lift weights, you yeah. know, they most likely found out about it through CrossFit, but I have no idea. Um, but we, we started coaching weightlifting seminars when I was in high school. I mean, I, I was probably 17, 16, 17 years old. What year was that, Kim? 2006, 2007. Okay. Time okay. frame. So, yeah, yeah. All right. And that was still in, in Wichita. Well, we would right. travel to places. Okay. We didn't okay. do it in Wichita Falls. We would travel to places. Okay. Um, yeah. So you were hitting CrossFit gyms specifically at, at that time frame? I think our first real CrossFit gym that we ever visited was in 2009. And where was that? Charlotte. Was that Steve Pinkerton? No. He was our second. Um, our first was – his name. His first name was Andy. Um he owned CrossFit Charlotte, and it was Andy something. His son was a games athlete. Okay, yeah, that competed for cross or for actual like Reebok CrossFit when they had like an affiliate themselves. Um, but his his gym CrossFit Charlotte was, I think, the first true CrossFit seminar that Glenn and I participated in. Okay, um, but then. You, you mentioned Steve Pinkerton. We did Steve Pinkerton's gym one time. We did seminars in California. Because Steve only had one gym at the time y'all were there, right? Because yeah. now, you know, he's expanded. Like Evo Fit, I think, is his new deal now. And I'm not sure. I mean, he's, I think he's blown up. He's, um, he was definitely CrossFit, I think, Northlake and CrossFit Vitality. Yeah. And CrossFit, um, maybe one other. Um, and I think that was before. But, but I will tell you this: Steve Pinkerton was at the first seminar that we did oh, at really? CrossFit Charlotte. Okay, he was a, and he wore those. What are those shoes that look the like Vibrams? Yes, yeah, he the, wore the, Vibrams. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I I didn't even know what Vibrams are, so I'm like, these CrossFitters are. Weird. Weird. <laughs> Wearing these glove shoes. Yeah. And... Are you putting gloves on your feet? What's wrong with you, man? No. Um, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. Golly. That's okay. So, and then Muscle Driver is based out of Charlotte, Charlotte, right? They're really based out of Fort Mill, but Fort Mill and Charlotte are like saying Plano and Frisco. Okay. So, you're, you're lifting. How did, what was the, the, the path from being in, in Wichita Falls lifting with Glenn to muscle driver, which was the company that bought Glenn's, I guess his, his you know, his ideas, right. Or his, yep. the his, rights the to his product. They, they bought the pin, they brought the, they really they bought did. the brand. Okay. So what was that path? So that's an interesting story. Um, so when I got out of high school, 
I was ready to leave Wichita Falls, and I moved to Northern Michigan University. And you graduated high school in what year? 2008. Oh, wait. Okay. Um, and so I moved up to Marquette, Michigan, which is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And the the whole time I was there, I I I wasn't happy. Okay. I I didn't enjoy being there. Why did you move up there? I got a scholarship. Okay. okay. Um, For it, weightlifting. Weightlifting was the reason that I got the full scholarship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had a full scholarship. I had people that were my age, my level of weightlifting, you know, at home in Wichita Falls. It was just me, you know, and Glenn, you yeah. know, but he was the coach. I was the lifter. There was nobody else really left that was training at my level. So it was similar athletes and it was um, free college and it was a change. Wichita Falls is not the place I want to live in. So it, it was a good change. Um, and so I moved up there. Long story short, I only lasted a semester. But the whole time I was there, Glenn kept telling me that he was selling his company. Okay. He wasn't allowed to tell me who he was selling it to, but he told me the whole time that he was selling his company. It was going to go away. And before I had moved to Michigan, I had worked for Glenn in the summer shipping barbells and packing weightlifting shoes in boxes and putting okay. straps and t-shirts in boxes. That so that stuff. part of the business was already established. Oh, yeah. We okay. have been selling barbells, weightlifting shoes, all that kind of stuff okay. for a long time. Well, then... So I only lasted that semester. I moved back to Wichita Falls. And when I moved back to Wichita Falls, it was almost the exact same weekend that he was selling to this other company. So I finally found out who they were, and it was Muscle Driver. I had no idea who they were. Zero clue. It was these two guys. And they were basically there to pack up Glenn's Warehouse, all of his bumper plates, barbells, weightlifting shoes. Everything he had in inventory got put in a semi-truck. And um, so I didn't have a job. I had moved back from Michigan to Texas. Under the guys that you had a job still? No, I I had had the idea that I would move back and work for Glenn working in his warehouse again. So I didn't have a job. And I didn't know who these guys were. Glenn had just sold his company. And a couple days later, Glenn's like, hey, by the way, they really liked you while you were here or while they were here. And they, um, you know, they, they need help with their wholesale program. Yeah. So I ran their wholesale program, which is essentially selling barbells to other resellers online um, for, I think, about three years. Uh-huh. And that was kind of my involvement with Muscle, Muscle Driver. At one point, I moved out there and worked in their corporate office and... <laughs> It wasn't what I was expecting. Um, and this was in Charlotte. I, I lived in Charlotte, but again, their office was in Fort Mill. Oh, okay, Fort Mill, sorry. Which is like, it, it like, before I moved to Michigan, I had gone out to California and visited California Strength. Okay. Um, and California Strength was in its infancy stages. Wow. I'm okay. talking infant. So between living in Wichita Falls and Fort Mill, uh, Glenn and I moved out to California. Uh, We trained at Cal Strength. 
Um, I say we. I trained at Cal Strength, Glenn coached. California Strength was like a name that existed on like a piece of aluminum. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they had like a sign outside their door that said California Strength. But what they had been before California Strength was American Weightlifting. And American Weightlifting was Dave Spitz, who is the patriarch of both American Weightlifting and Cal Strength, um, trying to do his duty to enhance the 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 view of weightlifting in the United States. And what's Dave's background? Throwing. Hammer. Okay. So he was a thrower. He was a thrower. Okay. He threw discus and hammer or shot put and hammer or something like that um, at USC and college. And after he did that, he lived in New York for some time and then he moved back to California. Either way, um, Cal strength was a very, um, it was in, it was in its infancy stages. However, Donnie Schenkel, my teammate from childhood had moved out there to California strength and he was training there. All right. <laughs> so obviously there, those of you that can't see this, cause I haven't gotten the balls to start filming my podcast yet. Um, cannot see the huge smiles on <laughs> both Caleb and my face when the word Donnie Shankle has uh, been mentioned. And that's, I don't know Donnie, but I only know Donnie through Caleb. And right now that's good enough. <laughs> so, uh, we, so you've known Donnie since w Wichita? Donnie moved from San Diego to Wichita Falls, which why he agreed or he was probably sold by Glenn, but um, why he agreed to move from San Diego to Wichita Falls, Texas, I can't explain to you. But I met I met Donnie in 2003 or 2004, one or the other. Um, and yeah, we became teammates after that. <laughs> Donnie Shankle. Donnie Shankle. Again, if you don't know the weightlifting world, uh, USA weightlifting specifically, YouTube Donnie Shankle. <laughs> yeah, that's Donnie with a Y and then Shankle spelled the way it sounds. And it's He's definitely a, worth looking into. Definitely a character. Yeah. Um, in his own right. He probably could have his own you uh, reality show. We all could. <laughs> if you guys had a camera following you around during those years, what uh, what do you think the most ridiculous thing that would have been aired would be? <laughs> that is not appropriate for uh, any type of recording. So at, <laughs> at one point in time, Donnie, myself, and two other weightlifters all lived in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> and hey, wait, how old were you? So this is the best part. I was a lot younger than any of those other three guys. Um, 
I was I was nineteen or twenty. Okay, old enough to know better. Old, too young to care. Yep, and they were bare minimum 25, 30. Um, so it was Donnie, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess. Uh, John. Yep, John North. And Max Ada. I mean, obviously, I remember you having aspirations to try to go for the games. Yep. And. I mean, you know, we can always revisit that, but it did not did not play out the way you wanted to. Yep. So at that point, you decided, you know, hey, I've I've got to shift gears mentally. Um, and maybe I don't want to speak for you, but like, what what was going through your mind, and then what was the transition? You know, how did all that come about? So, weightlifting was always the only thing I ever wanted. It's it's truly the only thing that up until a certain point in time that I was ever able to see myself doing for a long term. Um, and so it, it was hard to break away from. It's like a bad breakup, you know? Yeah, um, sure. And so it, it got to a certain point in time where I just kept getting hurt. And I kept getting injured and I kept having setbacks and I kept having these moments where it's like I could have pushed through it, but at the same time, my body and my um, willpower, those types of things were getting to the point where it's like, you know, this may not be worth it anymore or this may not happen anymore or you know, this may not be a good idea. And those, those were the types of thoughts that were going through my mind. That's, you know, based on the way that my body felt or just, just based on the way that things were happening. And you were 22, 23 years old this time. Yep. Right. 22. Yep. 20, more like 23, 24. Yeah. Yeah. So 10, 11 years of just the volume that, and the amount of training that you were subjected to, you know, over the years. Yep. I mean, you guys, I mean, can you, can you, real quick, can you um, just backtrack and just kind of give us a snapshot of what, I mean, you mentioned two training sessions a day, Yep. but like the volume of squats or accessory work, like what does that entail? So weightlifting from like 12 to maybe like 14 or 15 was just three days a week. Mm-hmm. And it was every workout was snatch, clean and jerk and squat. Every workout. Okay. Um, and then that was, that was Penlay's protocol. That was Penlay's protocol and, and Penlay's protocol pretty much dominated weightlifting for me till I was like 21. Yeah. Um, so then whenever I moved to four days a week, it was very similar. Three days of the week were snatch, clean and jerk and squat. And the fourth day of the week was probably like power movements, you know, power clean, power snatch, those types of things, maybe some push press, that type of stuff. Um, And that probably lasted for probably maybe another two years or so. And then I moved to five days a week and five days a week was just, again, a lot of snatch, a lot of clean and jerk, a lot of squat, those types of things, maybe just kind of shuffled a little bit. Um, and then at probably my max training standpoint, 
where I was training about nine times a week. It would be on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It would be snatch in the mornings, clean and jerks in the afternoon. That was Monday and Wednesday. Fridays would be snatch and clean and jerk light in the morning, max out heavy in the afternoon. And then it would be power movements um, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And there would be strength movements, you know, kind of shuffled in with all of that. But it was just, it was just a lot of training. Um, And then, you know, as it as it kind of came to the last couple of years, it was really more just about: is this really what I want to do anymore? You know, is this is this something that's going to pay off? Is this something that's going to turn into what I envision it being? Uh, is this something that if I get hurt, that I'm going to regret that I continued to push through, or that I quote unquote gave up, which I don't think I really gave up. I just turned my attention on to school. I mean, I'm, I'm good at school and I'm good at what I do now. And so it, it got to the point where is weightlifting the only thing I ever want to be good at for the rest of my life? Or do I want to be good at something else? And I turned to something else. So the, the, the four of us at one point kind of shared an apartment Um and um and we're all teammates and i i really don't know much else to say about that time period in my life i mean (laughs) there are some crazy crazy moments that that a young man your age should not have probably been subjected to? No, I mean, I should have. that you are glad you were subjected I'm glad I was subjected. That's just not something we put out on the airwaves. You America. America. You know, we, we, um, <laughs> we, we, we were having fun. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother. All right, so we'll, we'll gloss over that, obviously. Right. We're not going to try to incriminate anybody. Um, so you did a fair amount of traveling. As yeah. uh, as an Olympic weightlifter, yep. Um, can you tell us about that? I've been everywhere. Um, I, at least I feel that way. I've it, I've been everywhere in the United States except for the states that nobody's been to. Nobody goes to Mississippi. Actually, just kidding. You don't want to hear about my stories in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> they they involve. They involve things you don't want to know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Mississippi's happened. Um, The Dakotas have not. I've actually never been to New York City. Um, The the, the first place that it really took me, and this has been... But yeah, no, it's... uh, I've... um, it's it's very few places I haven't been in the United States, um, and then outside the country, I've been to Ecuador, I've been to Bulgaria, I've been to Romania, I've been to Canada, I've been to, I think those are it internationally um, for weightlifting at least. So it's it's afforded me the ability to travel. Um, most of those trips I didn't pay for, even just even a penny. Just got to go. It yeah. was really awesome. Um, so yeah, it's 
weightlifting's taken me everywhere. Right on. And the guy there knew my name, and it was awesome. So I'm telling him about it, and he's like, that's really cool. And he's like, by the way, I own Muya." <laughs> <laughs> you said all the right things, brother. <laughs> I really did. But it was like, it's also like one of those awkward moments where it's like, it's like, I feel like a suck up right now because I had no intentions of like building this place up. Yeah. Like it's the coolest place in the world to the person who owns it, right. you and, know? And, and I want to say that if anyone, anyone who knows Caleb, that's not his MO. <laughs> I mean, he is just, he's just genuine as the day is long. And so I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. So yeah, that that's pretty funny that, so yeah, you're I'm just saying you, that to demand, you know, the himself. person who owns Muya. Um, and long story short, I ended up working for him. Like I took a job with him right out of college and I worked for his restaurant company and we did a lot of great things. And he trusted me to do a lot of things that most people probably wouldn't trust a lot of other employees to do. And what do you attribute that to what do you, what, I mean, do you think it's because you guys developed a, a pretty close-knit relationship in the gym? I mean, no. I mean, that might have been a piece of it, but I think that Rich really um, – He just has a really good eye for talent. I think he has a great eye for talent because he always has – I mean, the, the people that work for him, I, I still know most of them, but the people that work for Rich are just the best people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's one of the, one of the things that it's um, – leaving working for his company because I don't work for him anymore that was that was hard to leave because he's got great people but also I think that Rich just has a talent for that type of thing of attracting people that are quality and people that want to do good and do well and make sure that you know the, the company that Rich has built is, is, is still doing well. And I think that that's attributes to the type of person that he is, you know, he, he's that type of person. And so driven individual. He is extremely, you know, and I think that you can read a lot about people, you know, we joked about it whenever I worked for Rich, but you, you hire, you can hire a lot of people that you meet at CrossFit because you understand their character definitely the coolest opportunity the opportunity that I've had so far but um, one of the people I met working at Frisco CrossFit was this guy named Rich Hicks and rich. oh rich good old um, rich man good old rich and he you know the the we we met doing cross we met at CrossFit but I didn't actually kind of build a relationship one with him until one morning when I was talking to him and I was building up this place called Muya, <laughs> And I was telling him how great it was and how awesome that the restaurant was and that I really loved to go in there. And I'm laughing right now because there's a lot of people that I know that have character that I wouldn't trust out there. <laughs> that that's that's one of the biggest epidemics from a, from a CrossFit standpoint. 
is that everyone thinks that it has to be a competition every day, no matter what, every single workout, every single thing that's measured has to be a competition because RX exists. Absolutely. And let me tell you what, RX is almost the least important thing because your workout every single day, regardless of what's written on the board, is what is RX. Your RX is your RX. Yes, every day. If you can't squat below parallel because your knees are jacked up, well, then that's what? our what that's what's RX. That's what's RX for you. Don't don't put yourself in the bag or in you know behind the eight ball because CrossFit standards say you have to do parallel and that's what, you know, that's what's written on the board. Yeah. Don't spin. Here's the thing. The stimulus of the workout is 10 times more important than what's RX. If the stimulus of the workout is for you to sprint and for you to do, you know, a hundred reps in the 10 minute time cap, that's what's important. It's not for you to do every movement to 100% standard at the 100% RX weight and you only get five reps done in the whole 10 minutes because you were more concerned with what's RX. The, the important part is making sure that if you've got 10 minutes, that you get as many of those reps done in the range of motion that you can that's healthy and strong for you and if you need to work on your mobility or you need to work on something else, you do that after the workout. Right on. Yeah. Quality, not quantity. Every day, all day long. Especially as we age, you know, our ability to recover is so important and so crucial. And the amount of time that we have to dedicate to our, our, our own fitness we get it gets smaller with our responsibilities in 100%, life. 100%. You know, whether we're business owners or we do, we we ascend the ladder uh, in the corporate world, we have you know we have our, our spouses, we have our children's obligations. There's so much that now comes into play that you have to maximize, you know, your ability to get in, get out, and be able to recover before the next training session. Definitely wasn't something you pictured yourself being involved in. Maybe not even five in years the slightest. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to. I wanted to be a financial planner. Whenever I was in college, yeah, taking getting my finance degree, I wanted to be a financial planner. I wanted to work with people on their financial plans, and um, as I, I I interned in college at Reach with Rich Hicks and. I started to realize that I liked that side of things a little bit um, more than I was kind of expecting. And I did an internship where I worked with a financial planner and I was like, I don't like this as much as I thought that I did. And mm -hmm. so my uh, kind of aspirations and reality kind of crossed and I ended up going more with the reality side of things, with things that I was good at and things that I understood really well and things that I was interested in doing more of. So obviously, you know, the world of weightlifting for Caleb Ward and CrossFit culminated at the right time 
And it benefited, obviously, you as well as the world of CrossFit. If, you know, from my standpoint, it definitely benefited the world of FCF. Thank you. Um, There were many, many people, uh, members specifically, that benefited from Caleb Ward's presence in the gym. You were the perfect fit for what we needed at the time. And, you know, we, we can get into a whole other professional conversation of how I screwed that up, um, <laughs> you know, in a later podcast, but let's get into your, 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 you know, you, you touched on, you know, you're working with, um, you got introduced to Rich Hicks through the gym and you started doing what for Rich? So I went to school for finance. Uh, that's what my bachelor's degree is in. And I, um, <clears throat> I started out with Rich um, he was introducing a new brand to his um, entrepreneurial company um, that he had called Reach Restaurant Group. It was a management company, and they were really managing basically his brand of restaurants. And one of them was called Pie Tap. So I got started with Pie Tap, and I was essentially just managing the finance side of the company, a lot of the accounting and the bookkeeping and um, a lot of the finance as well. I was doing the forecasting and making sure that um, making sure really that we just never really run out of cash and that we were always capable of making distributions to the investors, those types of things. Super important. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're running a business that's been, started by investors, your number one, <laughs> your number one goal is to make those investors whole again. And so, yeah, that was, that was our main concern is just making those investors whole. Um, and it, it, it really grew into a, to, to a point for me that I just felt like I wanted something more. Um, that I wanted something bigger, uh, that I was capable of more. Um, and I moved to a construction company for a short amount of time and it did not last long for me. Just, it, it wasn't the right place for me. It wasn't the right culture. I'm, I'm a very organized, um, very, um, goal driven person. Mm-hmm. And this construction company was, a little bit unorganized and they had their goals, but it just, it it did, we didn't really align very well. So I ended up in a mortgage lending company. Okay. Um, And that's where I still work today. And I absolutely love it. Um, Yeah. It is, it's a completely different world than restaurant finance. Um, There's some similarities, but there's a lot of differences and it is, very, um, <laughs> that no, no day is the same. And Absolutely. Yeah. So I work for Supreme Lending. Um, we are in all 50 states. Um, we are a retail um, type mortgage lender. Um, and what I mean by that is you're typically going to meet a loan officer that works for Supreme Lending in a type of branch scenario where uh, it's similar to a bank. Um, They're going to work in an office, not from um, 
a, a corporate location or from home, they're typically going to have a, a location that is other loan officers and other branch type employees that are part of Supreme Lending. Yep. Okay. Part of Supreme Lending, and we originate. I would say on average three thousand loans a month. Um, that's across all fifty states. I think about. 25 to 30% of our business is here in Texas. Um, but we, um, yeah, it, it's a great company. I absolutely love working there. And you've been with them how long? Um, I've been with them for a little over a year now. That's where I'm at now. I still work at the, the mortgage lending company. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're obviously um, right now at this time in the, in the world, mortgages are doing really well from the perspective of um, interest rates are low. And so people are wanting to refinance and purchase because they can get good rates on their homes. Um, and so, you know, you're, we're, we're kind of in one of those boom phases. I'm not ignorant to the fact that there's going to be, you know, some uh, fluctuations in what interest rates and what mortgages do in the future. But thankfully, um, I, because of the nature of my role, I'm a little bit sheltered from some of the fluctuations just because any company needs people who do finance and accounting. Yeah. Everybody needs that. Well, you guys, you guys keep, you, you, you are the realists in, in, in your business. Right? Yes. In any business. Yeah. You, I mean, you guys have the numbers. <laughs> you know the numbers. And, and the finance people are usually the ones who are looking towards the future and making sure that whatever economic or any, any other type of factor, usually economic, but um, whatever types of economic factors lead your industry and lead your business, that you're going to stay stacked up with at least – where the trends are moving you yeah. know you never want to move in the opposite direction of the trend you either want to move with the trend or be better than the trend okay. and you know the, the goal of finance is to figure out where you fit in that spectrum um, and if you are outside of the trend in a bad direction how do you um, manage those types of um how do you manage being outside of those trends? What, yeah, what those costs, risks? Yeah. What costs do you cut and what things are not necessary to run your business and how do you manage to stay alive right now? Well, Caleb, um, man, I want to, I want to thank you for spending some time. It's a work night. Can definitely spend a little longer than we probably anticipated, but that's just what friends do, you know, and uh, conversation comes real easy. I appreciate you coming out, brother. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right.